What's up, everybody? This is Edgar Martin from the Q&E Podcast, just bringing you this message that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. It could be sports, entertainment, or anything else that you feel people might want to listen to. Once again, that's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, Podgo. You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, come again, goddammit! You have an invitation to do whatever you want. A butterfly lives a full life before it dies. And a caterpillar emerges from the same cells, yet different. Magic exists. Does that scare you? It's evil. It's corrupting all of us. It's not inherently evil, all right? It's what we do with it that matters. That wasn't pain. That was something else. I've been where you are. Disillusioned. Pissed. You can't relate to who I am. Who are you really uninterrupted? Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. I'm a little distraught. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about this, uh, this review. Uh, if you don't know, this is episode five for Lovecraft. This is our review of episode five. Uh, Strange Case was the title of this episode. By far, uh, the most bizarre episode we've seen in this series so far i was completely mentally taken away i uh there were some moments where i didn't know what i was watching anymore yeah it was it was a lot to take in uh, I, I don't even want to say take in it was, it was a lot. like yeah see i i can't do this i can't I, just go ahead start with the first thing, start with the first thing. Yeah. Bro, it was a, it was a whole lot going on this episode, man. Uh, like Edgar just said, it was probably the, the wildest the wildest episode I've seen. It was just so much going on. Very I didn't know fun. how it clicked together until like my second watch. So the first time I watched it, it was just like, what the hell did I just watch? Like I, I couldn't watch <laughs> this twice. I couldn't watch this twice. I couldn't. I was like, man. But yeah, it was, it was just a whole lot going on. But Edgar, bro, did you like love or hate this episode, man? Even with everything that you've seen, bro. <laughs> with everything that you see, was it a like, love, or hate? I loved it. Loved it. I loved it. Loved don't it. don't look at me like that when I say <laughs> that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. I loved, hey, I, it. I loved it too. I loved it too, though. I loved it too. Loved On the second it. watch, the, the first watch, I liked it because I was just like, yeah. But the, the second watch, I was like, I loved it. I actually there was so it. much context with everything with Ruby. And everything, so I, I just, I loved it for that reason. Like it was so much, like so many hidden messages. Not even mm-hmm. hidden, really, but just really. messages that are downplayed a lot throughout society nowadays that still are permanent. So yeah, and it was some, uh, some things that they uh, touched on in this episode that probably went over a couple of people's head that I want to uh, touch on too uh, later into the review. But let's dive into the first scene, man. Ruby wakes up as a white woman, dog. And it was the same white woman that we seen in episode two who was in front of, like, the little stone building or whatever. I forgot what her name was, though. I forgot, too. They, they said it in the tweets. I seen it on Twitter, but yeah. I, I forgot what name Dale? Was it Dale? Might have been. 
It might have been. I think it was Dale. Her name was Dale, and she was she was in episode two. So she woke up as Dale. Ruby did. So we like, what the hell is going on, bro? So yeah. she get out of bed. She can't really walk. She tried to get used to the white body. She don't know what the hell is going on. And I don't know what's going on because we left off. They were just fucking, like, in episode four. Like, we didn't really get to, like, her being a white woman or nothing like that. So she wake up. She go outside as a white woman. She got her little robe on. And then we get to, like, the second scene. Oh, like, a black boy walks up to her and, like, man, you all right? You all right, ma'am? Yeah. I already know the cops was driving by right at that moment so perfectly. And obviously, they, they attacked the black dude thinking he was trying to harass the white woman. And it's funny because Ruby touched on it, man. She was like, they weren't, as a white woman, they weren't really scared of me. They were scared for me. And right. it's, it's crazy how it's, it's like a switch, man. When you're a white woman, man, it's like that mentality. And obviously, though, the cops took her side, bro. But how, how did you feel about that scene, like, in general, though? I honestly, I wasn't really scared because it was like, you can tell what was going to happen in that scenario. But it was still the thrill of, not the thrill, I don't want to say, but the suspense of, damn, like, they really finna do this. And it was like, be his ass. remember the, uh, the, uh, the police scene, I think that was episode two, when, uh, when they were in the Sundown County. That was episode one. That was episode one still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so remember episode one, the suspense of how the police officer was chasing them across the county line and everything, that's the same type of suspense I felt with the the young black boy who got attacked by the police in that situation. And I was just like, damn, like, it's crazy how it really used to be like that back in the day. Like, you you can't even, my dad's from that time. Like, my dad grew up in the late 50s, early 60s, to where it was like, you can't even make eye contact with white women in public and stuff like that. At least if you're a black male, anyway, you can't. So mm-hmm. the fact that they were really like finna beat him to death probably until Ruby said, no, like, don't do anything. It was my fault. I was just like, wow. It just takes a word from like one of them. And yeah. all you need to just keep from, keep yourself alive basically. Yeah. So that was so crazy to me. I was like, damn it. And Ruby seen that. And she was like, I literally have power. Like all I have to do is just say you did or didn't do something to me. And that could be the difference between life and death for you. So that was crazy. Yeah. And she had told William, she was like, I actually felt like a human being, like, in that moment. I felt like I was actually listened to. I felt like I was actually respected in that mm-hmm. scene. It was just like, that's, that's really powerful, bro. So, man. And then, uh, obviously, we get to the next scene. So, the, they take her in the cop car, and they drive her back to where William and Christina were staying at this time. They drive her to the place. And she's kind of, she's starting to turn in the car. It's like yeah. some type of metamorphosis her eyes are turning like brown again and it's just like whoa and william told the cops that the metal like the little fits that she was having in the back was like some some little condition or something like so a medical condition that she got medicine for and stuff like that yeah so we don't know what the hell going on at this point obviously we know that is ruby but we don't know what's going to happen next so yeah. william comes out to the cop car takes her inside and she is going through it. Her body, it's like stuff sticking out of her body. You don't know what's going on. Like, it looked like something was just trying to get out of her. Yeah, it was like something was pushing different parts of her body. I was like, what the hell is going on? I was yeah. like, she's going to explode or something? <laughs> that's, bad. that's what I was thinking, too. I thought she was going to explode. I thought that's how it was going to happen. And the, way, and the way they captured it, bro, how everything was, like, coming off her skin, how the skin was coming off, like, the look of the skin in this whole entire episode was so fire to me, bro. Yeah. It, it was so cinematic, bro. CGI was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I mean. The CGI, man, that shit was definitely crazy, bro. 
So, uh, yeah, William take her in the house. He basically get her ass with a knife and just starts cutting up the white woman who was Ruby. And Ruby just, like, comes out of the white woman. It's like a metamorphosis type shit. So just right. think about a caliputer and a cocoon and a butterfly come out. That's basically, that was really, like, the theme of this whole episode. Like, shedding, metamorphosis, things like that. Because I was going to bring up this point to you. Because they brought up the meaning of locust a lot in this episode. Because right. I remember uh, later in the episode, they had brought it up uh, when it, they, we were talking about the drag queen. She was talking about one of her dance moves. And she was talking about uh, locust migratia, some shit like that. And then in the TV, in that scene, they were talking about locust as well. So I want to yeah. know, did you catch that? And did you see, did you see that? Did you know what you were going to expect moving forward? On the first scene, when, the, uh, when William was cutting Ruby open, and you seen it on the TV, and like they, they zoomed in on the TV, but you seen in the background, you see William cutting Ruby. I didn't really pay attention that time, but the second time later in the episode, when it came again, I was like, didn't they just say something like this earlier? So I caught it the second time. I didn't really pay attention to it that much the first time. Yeah, because obviously y'all know Locust Shed, and also Locust Devour. So, mm. Because he said locust devour in like the little news conference. So I was like, what does he mean by that? Locust devour. I thought that was going to play in this episode. I didn't really catch it. If locusts do devour, I didn't really catch that meaning of it. But I did, I did catch that theme of locust though. And now we get to the now we get to the next scene of Tick Tick and Letty. Yeah, so if you all remember at the end of episode four, Montrose uh cut Yahima's throat killed her off uh didn't want her to help tick at all with trying to figure out the pages or anything like that and tick and letty walk into the room and find out that she's not there and montrose tells letty that she's gone all he says is she's gone she's not here anymore <laughs> and letty's thinking oh she he let her go like he let her leave or she ran away and she just let him or something like that letty didn't ask any questions she didn't try to go in depth with it or anything like that. And Montrose is just sitting there like, yeah, she's gone. Tick looking at him like, I already know what you mean, bro. Like, don't tell me you did what you did. And he just, Tick goes off. Like, Tick just digs in his shit. It just start beating the hell out of his dad. Bro, do you, did you think he was going to kill him in that moment, though, bro? Because I, I oh, truly yeah. did. I truly yeah. believed he was going to kill him. Letty, if Letty didn't have people come into the room and stuff like that, Tick was going to kill this man. For real, for real. And I was, I wanted him to be his ass because everybody knows like, I've been critical of Montrose the past two, three episodes now. So the fact that Tick was beating the hell out of him, I was like, thank God, because Montrose deserved his ass beat. But the fact that Tick was trying to kill this man, I was like, whoa, whoa, calm down, calm down. <laughs> like, that's, and that's was, come, that comes from all the pent up aggression as a kid as well. It's not even just uh, with that, that just letting Yahima go and burning the pages. It's just also like, the kid, you would beat my ass. And it's like, now I'm a grown man. I can really dig in your shit now. So yeah, all of that really yeah. came out of him at once. And it's the fact that he, um, Letty was terrified. Like, we'll get to this scene a little later, but Letty was telling him, like, I've never seen you like that, ever. Like, I've never seen you get to that point of angry. And he was like, I didn't really tap into that until I went to the war. Like, that was when that side of me actually came out. It rarely happens, but when it does, like, it's, it's a sight that you don't really want to see. And we seen... After after the people came into the room and got Tick off of uh, Montrose, Tick went down to the basement of the Winthrop house, and he was going through all the pictures and stuff, trying to find out if Letty took pictures of the pages. He's, like, antagonizing her, like, did you take pictures of the pages? Like, where are they? Like, I know you took pictures of something. You're always taking pictures of everything. And Letty follows him downstairs, but she has a bat with him, and with, with her. 
and Tick turns to Letty and, like, gets to her face. And I'm thinking, please don't hit Letty, because if you hit Letty, I'm going to lose all respect for you. And she looking at him dead in his face, like, please put your hands on me. Cause, she's, about to hit that. she's about to dig in his shit with that bat. <laughs> she was like, I will put your hands on you. I'll put this bat on you. It's going to be over. But something that I peeped that I thought was going to be, like, an announcement in the episode, they low-key, like, I thought they were zooming down to her stomach. Because when he, when he looked at Letty, I was like, he not finna hit her because she pregnant, or he not finna hit her just because he not finna hit her? And she was holding the bat, but I they they slick. They tried to slow it down by her stomach, and they just showed the bat in her hand in the corner. I was like, they think they slick. If Letty pregnant, that's crazy. I said this in episode two, when it went, or whatever they fucked. Episode three or something like that. This was the ghost. Uh, it was three. It was, it was three. episode three. And I was and I asked you, I was like, bro, do you think that would be mean something moving forward? Cause like he nutted in her, so she has to be pregnant or something. Something had to be going on, bro. So I was like, could he be passing on the break, the break white blood to somebody else, which could be causing some whole other shit, and it, it could cause a whole new season just with that alone. We ain't really see too much of Letty though in this episode, and she. They haven't made her give any hints of not feeling well or craving stuff or just acting different. So I feel like in this next, if we see her in this next episode, episode six, if she starts like being weird in any way when it comes to her like physicality and stuff like that, I'm gonna go with the nod that she pregnant. Right now, I'm just gonna say no because she ain't really been giving no hints. Yeah. And that's what I had put in my notes. I had put that in my notes. I was like, yeah, because uh, I was gonna put, I was gonna say that when they was fucking in the a couple scenes down the road yeah that too mm-hmm. and i was like bro this has to mean something they keep showing them fucking like this i'm like this has to mean something going down uh, the road I, bro i told you they was gonna have like romance throughout this season i like, know romance yeah. but it's just like to this point though i was like you can show sexual tension you can show the sex but it's like they show up for a long time and then like you said hints like that showing you the stomach and shit like that is just like that has to mean something and you know it's gonna mean something especially when you're talking about bloodlines you already yeah. know it's going to mean something. So you passing on blood. I'm looking deeper into the sexual relationship that Tick is having. Now. I say maybe around saying. episode nine or ten. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't think she'll, like, come up pregnant in episode nine or ten. I feel like she's going to announce being pregnant is going to happen very soon. But I feel like by the end of the season, either episode nine or the season finale, episode ten, we're going to get, like, a big moment between her and the baby or something like that. That's what I'm saying. And I think, and that's why I think it's going to be something that really gets harped on in season two, which causes a season two. I think it's good. Like you said, episode nine, episode 10, and it causes a, a season two and they carry on with it. So I can definitely see that going forward, bro. So moving on, we get the Ruby scene and she's in the room with William. William gets out of the shower. He basically is giving her a conversation about butterflies and the metamorphosis and what, giving her like a summary of what she just went through with the whole metamorphosis process. She said that he was trying to, or William was talking about how he was working with Hiram, uh, Hiram Epstein and how he was being laughed at for trying to do metamorphosis before with humans and he was being laughed at. But now he's already tried it and it actually works now. So he's like, I can't be laughed at anymore, but Hiram is gone. So I don't have anybody to rely on to actually make the potions, but it seems like he's still making the potions anyway. So Ruby's confused. She didn't know magic exists. And we seen that in the trailer. She was looking confused. It was butterflies falling or uh, going all around her. And oh, damn, what was, what was the part I wanted to bring up? It was the part of, um, damn, 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 damn. Damn. It was during that scene? It was during that scene. She, he had said something to her. 
when he was about to leave. Oh, oh she, was, she was asking. Uh, I think that was when she was asking, like, do you? So am I just supposed to like stay in the house or whatever? And he was like, you could do whatever you please. And he gave that was giving her the option. You can leave. You can. You don't have to come back. You can go do whatever you want. But that potion is sitting right there. If you choose to take that and do what you just happened to you again, by all means, you can stay in this house all day. You can go do that. You can do whatever you want to do. That's what he said. To, she chose white privilege over just leaving that house and not dealing with none of that magic. She chose white privilege. And I feel like that stuff got a lot. Yeah, and that was it. And you have to look inside of the comment of what he said because it's something that was foreshadowing for the end of the episode. He said, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So you could take advantage of your white privilege and probably get a revenge on the white folks, like we've seen at the end, or you can be use your white privilege to get whatever the fuck you want, get the free ice cream like we've seen her. She can like be peaceful and uh, while everybody's walking around, read the newspaper, just chill without being looked at as a villain or looked at as being black all the time and things like that, or just look, looked at with respect. Right. And, and yeah, so she just gets the feel of being white. She get free ice cream. She can walk around without being feared. So that was all in that scene. So she had the choice. She could have just went home back to the South side and lived out her life as being a black woman, but she chose to be white with the white privilege, bro. So that was the point I did want to bring up. So I'm glad you caught that sentence. So now we get on to the next scene. Uh, before we move on to the next scene, I just feel like that entire explanation that William was given of the butterflies and the caterpillars and stuff like that, I feel like that was just really monumental because, like I said, they they do a really good job in this show of breaking down theories, breaking down historical context that plays a part in the future. I love the way they do that. And I was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, do some, like back then, did some white scientists like really think like this with certain stuff? like Or just sure. scientists in general? Because we already know, like, we were black people were publicly experimented on mm -hmm. and it was just with basic stuff like vaccines and stuff like that. So I can only imagine the behind the scenes experiments that they tried to do with us or just on humans in general, like yeah. with the, with the Epstein, like switching body parts and stuff like that. And I was like, damn, the cocoon theory, like that just sounds really, it sounds like some stuff you really see in a movie, like yeah. about, some government type stuff or something mm -hmm. like that. So I thought that was real cool. Yeah. And you have to look at Ruby as an experiment too. So you can say that he was trying to, uh, that he quote unquote care for Ruby or whatever, but he was really just an experiment in his elaborative scheme because we seen in the later and later in the episode that obviously William is Christina and Christina was using the potion the whole time. So she already experimented on herself. So now she probably wanted to try it on somebody black and see if it worked on a black folks or something like that. That's probably what she was, or yeah, she was trying to test or something like that. So yeah, bro, that's a good point. But uh, the next scene was, it was basically Tick apologizing to Letty. Uh, Letty's in the bathtub at the house. Tick comes into the um, bathroom, sits by her in the tub. Just uh, this the other scene. This the one she gave him the pages. This one she gave him? She gave him the pages in that little bottle and she come outside. She come outside like in a little garage or something like that with the uh, like the uh, the pictures in like a roll or something like that. And she goes up to him and she was like, I never seen oh, you act like that. Something like that. And this is when I they missed that scene. Missed that scene. I seen part of it, but my friend skipped. I was in the kitchen. 
Damn it. See, this is yeah. why I be telling them, like, you can't miss C's. <laughs> I missed that scene. I didn't miss it, but I wasn't paying full attention to that scene. And that, and that was the scene where I was going to bring up the fact of passing on the break white blood and things like that. Right. But that's basically all it was. He's like, they fucked. You know what I'm saying? They made up, basically, after she's seen them get all mad and things like that. All right. And then um, this is when we get to the scene. So Ruby has gone. To, let me see. Let me see. So I think Ruby went on to her job at Marshall's. I think this is when we get to that point. So she's white and she goes into an interview at Marshall's mm-hmm. and she was like, all right, I'm going to apply. It's like, she's always wanted to apply there anyway. And she got the assistant manager job. And the one key thing that she said in that interview was when the, the manager had asked her about blacks, she was like, as, as long as black people have the education that can rival with whites, they should have the same opportunities. But what, what we find out when she talks to Tamara, she, feel, she, she only finds out that Tamara has a, a, a seventh grade education. So she starts treating Tamara way different. And she starts to treat her like she's better than her, like a white person. So she starts to really feel empowered in her white skin and starts to feel like she's really different than Tamara. And this whole scene tripped me out so much because I'm like, damn, this is why even today, a lot of black people, we feel like this gives us the mentality. We have to be two, three steps ahead of our white counterparts when it comes to applying for jobs. Ruby was well qualified because the um, manager dude that was reading her resume, he was like, wow, you did this. You've been in charge of this for blah, blah, blah. If she went in there as her black self, none of that would have mattered. But the fact that she went in there as a white woman, it was like, dang, you've done all of this. Like, you don't even need to just be a regular employee. Here, we're going to make you assistant manager right off the bat. Like, I was like, damn, like, you for real? And she was shocked. She was like, you don't need to see me actually work or anything like that. You're just going based off my resume. So when he asked about blacks and stuff, and he was like, how do you feel about them? Like, how do you feel about them in the workplace and everything? I was just like, damn. And he explained, like, they have to have their – they were getting into the times of we have to have some type of – diversity in the workplace yeah yeah because yeah we got to have that token person or like i call it affirmative action of just quickly hiring the first color person you can that's what that's what it was yeah literally what they did so when she went to tamara and tamara was like i got a seventh grade education i ain't never been in sales never had a job like none of that like i don't know how i got this job i applied on a whim basically yeah and ruby was just like so you don't know how to do anything basically i was just like damn like they really applied for that the first thing i thought of was you remember the wayne's brother episode when sean got hired by that um that big corporation and all they had him doing was sharpening pencils oh yep yep yep. like he was the sharpening pencils printing paper stuff like that Mm -hmm. and he found out they only hired him because you have to have a certain percentage of Mm -hmm. black people that work there even if it's just one person that fits that percentage, that's all you need. They don't even got to be qualified. You just got to have that one person to publicly advertise that we do hire these people. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, damn, that's crazy that that was happening in the 50s and then even later in shows like that in the 90s and stuff, it was still prevalent. Yeah. And this, this episode did a j- great job of showing like the dichotomy of being white in a black world and being black in a white world as well. And it also highlighted the fact of a lot of black people growing up wanted to be white or wish to be white at some point yeah. in their lives. And they did a great job of that. I seen Derek post, it, post that on Twitter, man. And like, he brought up a great point because a lot of people at some point in their lives to get out of a situation 
or whatever to get something or you see a white person got something that you ain't got. You always wish that you could be white at some point in your life. Even though you love to be black, we love to be black, but you at some point wish to be white at some point in your life. And this joke, and this show just shows. to say that, like, if yeah. it, it's not even the fact of just wishing we was white. It's just the fact that just let me do it. Just let me yeah. do it for one day. I, I ain't exactly. even trying to beg to do it, but just give me the opportunity to be white for one day. I promise you, I'm going to live that shit up. Ooh, That's what I'm up. saying. You're going to get away with so much shit. I'm going to get away with so much shit. Get away with so much shit. And this episode did a great job of that. And that's why Ruby was picking her white skin over her black skin a lot of the time because she was talking to um she was talking to William when she was in the tub that one scene. And she right. was like, I didn't, I didn't even have to use no money because I don't need money when I'm white. I have whiteness. Whiteness is the best currency. So exactly. when I can do use that, why do I need money? Why, why would I want to be in my black skin when I can use this all the time? So that's why she was picking her white skin a lot, bro. So that shit was definitely crazy. And I think I skipped the part, bro. Uh, wasn't that the same part um, when she asked, out of all the color girls, why me? Yeah, yeah. She, she asked William, out of all the color girls that you could have done this to, why me? And it's because William said he needed a favor. And I think it's just because of the fact that he knew or – Christina, we'll we'll get to that confusing ass part later. But right now, I'll say William. William knew that she was related to Letty and stuff like that. Exactly. So, yeah. And I said that last week because even when she responded to Letty, or even when William responded to Letty, I was like, "That's bullshit." Like he was like, <laughs> "Why? Why not you?" Or some shit he had said. I'm like, "That's the bullshit." I was like, "That was bullshit." <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it was no no other reason to pick Ruby other than she's related to Letty, and you can get you can use Letty to get inside of the. Uh, Winthrop house and shit mm -hmm. like that. But he knows that she knows nothing about any of them. So exactly. that's why that's why he could just tell her why not you. So yeah, bro. So he was like, yeah, he gonna need a favor. And uh, yeah, I brought up that letty point from last week. But she also brought up the point of being uninterrupted by the world. She was like, I always try to do my thing as being a proud black woman, but I am always interrupted by the word at some point. Either I get distracted by Letty or either some white person messed shit up or something always interrupts me from being a proud black woman. And I think when she, she told this to William, and this was a tale or foreshadowing for later in the episodes. When I watched it a second time, bro, when I watched this episode a second time, it was many tales to show you that William was really Christina the whole time. Because this is the first tale. When she had told... Um, when Ruby told uh, William about being uninterrupted. And then later in the episode, Christina had brought up the point about being uninterrupted. And Ruby was like, how the hell? How you know that? You know what oh, I'm saying? You remember she had said that? Deep. I got to watch it a second time. You got, Bro, you all, bro. If I have to tell y'all anything about the show, watch it twice to actually understand it. I, I got to build my stomach up. Because the first, the first <laughs> watch, you're not going to understand everything that you see. The first watch, you just have to enjoy it for the show. The second watch, that's when you find the Easter eggs. That's when you piece shit together. Because obviously I wouldn't have pieced it together if I, because I wouldn't have known Christina was William to the end of the episode, first of all. Yeah. And then you watch it back and you're like, oh, that was one tale. It was another tale later in the episode that I'm going to get to. So it was multiple tales that was like, damn, now it makes sense that, you know what I'm saying, here and there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, bro. Uh, so you can dive into the episode about uh, chopping up. They were, they, were, they were with the white coworkers in the, in the back room. With the white co-workers in the uh, Oh, you're talking about when Ruby was down there with her co-workers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, was this before? Yeah, this is before that scene. Okay, so Ruby goes down into the, uh, what's it called? The uh, the break room. Closet. 
Yeah, break room, break room. Yeah, into into the break room with her white female coworkers, and she's getting a chance to like feel the vibe of white women in the room, and she's trying to see, okay, let's see what conversations are like in these type of scenarios where there's nobody of color around. There's no Asians, no Mexicans, no black people. There's nobody else but white people in the room. Let's see what they actually talk about. And the fact that it was literally everything she thought it would be, like they were dancing and stuff on break and everything. Ruby started dancing and Ruby got soft. So it's like her black self is still in the white body. So she dances like, and I'm looking like, yeah, she got, she got rhythm all that and it was one of the girls it was like oh she got the color version already <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> that made me say something off rip and ruby just had to keep holding her tongue with everything that they said mm-hmm. and i think it was um was it the blonde one that said uh oh what did she say this is she when they started to talk about tamara you talking about they started talking about tamara she said something about Tamara, but she said, I think she said Negro or something like that. And That's she what she was said. Like, she was like, because Ruby had said, um, I hope um, they're more qualified than Tamara. She was like, I don't want to see any more Tamaras. That's what yeah. the coworker said. I don't want to see any more Tamaras. And, and then, then somebody was like, they tried to correct her. She was like, what? At least I stopped from saying the inappropriate word or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. So it's like, they know they be like super racist, but they, they create different words to say so they don't have to say the wrong word apparently yeah. i was just like that's crazy bro and they just kept going in and in on black people and ruby just kept having to sit there hold her tongue not say nothing and all that it's funny because she was like gaslighting a lot of those conversations too because she was like i hope uh, to, uh the, if we get another black co-worker they're more qualified than tamra and she was but like, I feel like she was doing part of her was doing that because she really felt that way. But I feel another part of her was doing it just so she could see what they'll say if she green lights stuff like that. Like, let me say something like this just so I can see what you're going to say back. I feel like that's what she was doing. Nah, because, bro, she was still dead. Because remember, she was dancing and all that shit. Even when she said that, she was still dancing or whatever. But when she was like, yeah, she was like, uh, uh, she's not qualified because she's a Negro. She stopped mm. everything she was doing. She's like, oh, shit. And that's when that's the part she was like, I, I felt like she wanted to say something, but she really couldn't. But it's yeah. funny because they really wanted to use Tamara to get over to the South Side clubs or whatever. That's what the white girls were talking about in the uh, break room. It's yeah. like, yeah, I've never been to the South Side. And uh, Ruby was like, it's nothing special about the South Side. It's like, and they were like, like, you've been? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, I mean, all you got to do is drive there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, if, did it feel like a safari or some shit that a white girl said? I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, ooh, it be scenes like that that just really get me sometimes. I'd be like, a safari, bro? I was like, damn. Like, they really look at us as animals, like, at least back some of them do to this day. I'm about to say, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them back then, like they looked at us as like attractions and animals, roadside attractions and stuff like that. That was just crazy to me. That shit was definitely crazy, bro. Uh, um, now we get to the part where uh, it's mantra. Let me get on this mantra's point for because I think you skipped this. You got and this, it. You do it. And I think you skipped this point for a reason. He Edgar don't want to talk about this part. Right? <laughs> talk about this part right here. So we heard in episode three that Montrose could be gay. That's what Tree had told the Tick. So in this episode, where after getting beat up by Tick, Montrose is really like distraught in a way. So he goes to the bar owner. And Dude, they talked the whole episode. <laughs> he did it. He did it. <laughs> he did talk, but he goes to the bar owner apartment, bro. So everything. So everything looked cool. 
So, like, they get right to it. Basically, when he walk in, they get right to it, bro. He get the spit in his hand. Bro, the, bro, the nastiest spit glop I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that's, that's the craziest spit glop I've ever seen in my detail. life. You're, go, you're going into detail. <laughs> you're going into detail. Let's just... Well, make a, to make a long story short, man, the, they, they end up fucking or whatever, man. And this yeah. is like... And, uh, and this is one point I want to hit on, too. Um... They didn't kiss while they were fucking, and that ended up being like a big point with their relationship. Because, you, like, I feel like they were, or Montrose was just using him just, just to be like a fuck buddy in a way. He really didn't want to be in a relationship. But, like I said, later in this episode, we start to see he's starting to shed, he's starting to open up, and he's starting to embrace his sexuality. And that's what a lot of people, and like I said, that's just the theme of this whole episode. Ruby had to shed herself, uh, Tick had to shed himself to be vulnerable. Montrose had to shed himself to be open with his sexuality. So everybody had to shed themselves in a way. So that's why I say it's the theme. And he had to end up shedding himself and having to stop being closeted. And that, that was cool to me in a way. It, it was after the graphic stuff and everything. <laughs> uh, just seeing him uh, be around people that he's attracted to, like the drag queens and stuff like that. Like, I was, I just thought he was just going to be a regular gay relationship. Like, no, he likes full-blown drag queens, men who dress up as women type stuff. I was like, this is definitely proven why Uncle George is probably Tick Daddy. But, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's my point, too. And that was, and yeah. I think I said this in a couple episode reviews. And that, that was, that was crazy to me. I was, I mean, hey, at least he found comfort in his own skin and he happy with who he is and he was able to embrace that. Because I, I think, uh, one of the drag queens, when they were all getting dressed to go out that night, they were like, so what is he to you? Like, do y'all even kiss yet and stuff like that? We don't see y'all be all up on each other when we all here and everything like that. And then when they were finally out at the party, they kissed in front of everybody and stuff like that. So I was just like, he finally accepting who he is and stuff like that. So I was just like, I got to get used to seeing Montrose like this. I'm not yeah. used to it. Just for all our fans, <laughs> think- I'm not homophobic. I just, I can't. I can't just naturally watch that stuff and not be disgusted. Not homophobic at all, though. Gotta love everybody. This is what I told, bro. I was like, because I feel like a lot of people haven't seen Brokeback Mountain for good reasons. Obviously, it's a gay show. So if you have, like, any problems with that, you're not, you don't really don't want to watch it. But I've seen Brokeback Mountain. No, I'm not gay, but I've seen the show. I've seen the movie. And I feel like it was the same type of vibe. You know what I'm saying? If you watch Brokeback Mountain, you can get through anything. Because <laughs> it was a whole lot of this. It was a whole lot of this throughout that movie, bro. So... I feel like, yeah, same thing. It was some Brokeback Mountain shit, and it was. You know what I'm saying? It was a, it was a, good, it was a good scene, though. I rock with it. It was cinematic. And uh, now what we get to, bro, uh, we're with the scene of after work. After work, and she meets up with William, and she's talking to him. Uh, okay, so, yeah. It was after, um, it, I think it was literally after she was talking to them in the break room when they were, uh, they went outside. They went downstairs. I, I think they all were off at that point. And they were figuring out where they were going to do, what they were going to do, where they were going to go next until they went to uh, to the south side. And mm-hmm. you see William pulled up already in the back of the um, of the building. And he has a surprise for Ruby. And all of the white women are like, he's with you and stuff like that. And she's like, yep. So she walks over to the car to William. And they have an intimate scene or whatever. And he was like, I need you to do that favor for me. And she was like, okay, what? He was like, you got a surprise in the back seat. Look at that first. She opens the box. And the first song that came to my head, 
the story of OJ. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> when she seen that maid outfit in that box, still nigga. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my God. Don't forget who you is on the inside, boy. That was and I feel like I feel like William did that to humble her. Like, we, I'm letting you taste this white privilege. Oh, but please don't forget what you really are at the end of the day. And I was gonna bring up that same point. That was the whole. Was, that was the whole purpose of it. Hell, I was like, yeah, I gotta play the story of OJ after that. Yep. yep <laughs> Still, yep. nigga, Jay Z was speaking that. I don't get lights, light niggas, dark niggas, full niggas. Still, nigga, at the end That's of the facts. day. That's facts. That's facts, bro. So. Yeah, so we get to the to the like the little serving scene. She's the maid. She handing out everything, and she ends up meeting with Christina in like the back room or whatever. So she's talking to Christina, and she like, and Christina, because they say you have to do a favor for. Her. I thought the favor was going to be the servant, but she yeah. wanted the favor to be hiding something in the captain's office. And the captain is the same person that we've seen in episode three, who uh beat up on not beat up on Letty, but uh was messing with Letty in the back of the cop car, interrogating her. Yeah, and also he was the same person who he was in cahoots with uh Dr. Epstein. Epstein. Mm-hmm. So we already know he has a lot to do with a lot of the bad shit and the experimental shit that's going on with the cops on the uh north side of Chicago. So she wants so Christina wants her to hide like some wooden protection thing inside of the inside of his office. So obviously Ruby tiptoes in the office, and the same person that we were hearing last episode, like a, mo- a moaning person from the closet. We finally find out, we don't find out who he is, but we see who he is. And he was like, he got his tongue cut out. And it's just like, niggas bleeding. Stone up everywhere. like everywhere. So it's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, Ruby ends up hiding the wooden protection thing that uh, Christina wanted her to hide. And she heard the captain run into the office. Or the captain and two of his uh, boys come into the office. So she hide in the closet with uh, the dude. I don't forget what his name is. It's like Zenobi or some shit they had called yeah. in the show. So they hiding in the window because so obviously the dude with his tongue cut out, he trying to make noise and trying to alert the people in uh, the captain's office, the captain and his two boys. So, but she got a hand over his mouth. That's some disgusting shit. I don't think I would be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. We would have just been caught. (laughs) Man, he was like breathing on her, trying to get her. I was like, she finna throw up. I was like, oh my god. That shit was wild. I was like, I can't do that. You got blood and all that shit on my hands, saliva. I see you cut up. You trying to look like you trying to lick her. At one point, I was like, bro, this shit is wild. But the most interesting point uh, of this scene was the dude's body. Did you notice his body? His body was black, shady. He was was like switching clothes for the event. Like he was doing like a, a dress change or whatever. His entire torso was a black man's torso. And you've seen stitches the same way the dude in the closet was stitched up. You've seen stitches. I mean, obviously, they were much cleaner. But you've seen he was sewn together like white pieces and black pieces were different, like were differently put on him. And I was like, so was he an actual success from Dr. Epstein instead of one of the many failures like all the black people exactly. he was to do? I was like, damn, like, because I thought it get out when I seen that how um, white people were trying to become black people in the movie. Oh. Like, remember Lakeith Stanfield's character? It was really an old white man who took over his body. Mm. Like, he was, like, Lakeith Stanfield's character was in the sunken place, and the white dude was living through him. And Mm. I was like, damn, this is basically a more physical version of that. Not so much mental, but a physical version. I was like, damn, that's wild. That's so crazy to me. Because the first time I watched it, I was just like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't yeah. understand what was going on, but the second time I watched it, I was like, that's a black man's torso. He yeah. had his whole torso. I'm like, bro, that's crazy, dog. <laughs> that shit was really crazy. And something that I skipped over when it um, was um, I think William highlighted that too. I, I don't know if it was William or somebody else, but uh, white people want to be black, black people want to be he white. Did that. He did that. Yeah. I was like, damn, like you really got to think about it like that because, like you said earlier, there have been many times that me and you, other black people, we've wished just for one day. Like, let me be white just for one day. And I feel like a lot of white people are like that, too, when it comes oh, yeah. to being black. They don't want the black experience, but they, at least the negative experience, they don't want to be all the way black. They want the hip-hop. They want the athleticism, shit like that. We want to be all the way white. They don't want to be all the way black. <laughs> oh, That's the crazy part. Yeah. They want our attributes, but mm -hmm. they don't really want our life. We want their whole life. Like, that's the difference. That's the whole difference. Yeah, yeah. That was so crazy to me. I was like, damn, they, Jordan Peele be speaking, boy. That man be speaking. He does. And it's funny, bro, because, um, I, like I said, I had skipped a part. When um, Ruby was handing out food at the, at the event or whatever, at the party, the, cop, the captain had said something. He was like, this is, I'm the captain of this whole social club. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I thought he was just the captain of the cops. But then we get to a part when we're back to Ruby and Christina. They were talking in the back room. And then we start to have that conversation, which was another tale when I watched it on the second watch. When she was talking about how the captain ended up shooting William in his back and dumping yep. him in a river. So I'm piecing shit together on my second watch. I'm like, damn. I'm like, so that nigga William probably is really dead. But she, she became him just so she can be a part of the order. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And you remember she had said William was the rightful heir to the lodge, and that's why the captain had killed him. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow. And, and, he, and she also said that, she, that the captain didn't know that William was still alive. That's why every time the captain is around, she is Chris, she's in Christina form. Right. So I'm like, wow, bro. I beat that. My, my friend Desire put me on. Shout out to Desire. She put me on to that. She, she peed yeah. that before I did. She was like, y'all ain't noticing that? I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, bro. So like I said, the second tale was, um, the second watch gave you so many tales. And also, going back to the, other, the fourth episode, or whenever she, it was Christina and the cop, they was in a room together. That was episode and four. That was episode four. Okay. So they were talking. And um, she said... I don't remember you getting initiated into the order. She had said something like that, right? And the cop had got mad. He was like, you're not even in the order. You're a woman or something like that. And then I thought about it. I said, oh, no, that was three. That was episode three. That was three. Okay. So I thought about it. I'm like, damn, she probably was there, but she was there as William. So that's why she was, or she was in the order as William. So she was like, I haven't seen you have an initiation yet. Yeah. So he think she's not even a part of the association or the order. When shit, really, she's William the whole time. So she's at everybody's initiation. So she would know if you were in the order. And that's why she made that comment. And I feel like that's why she was so empathetic to Ruby when Ruby was talking about living an interrupted or uninterrupted life because Christina felt that from a standpoint of, I get you as, I understand you as a woman of being interrupted. Like, I, I can't understand you as a black person or as a black woman. But as a woman, I understand that because I've been interrupted several times because it's like, I'm a woman, so they don't allow me to do this, that, and this within my own 
damn near birthright. I'm, break, yeah, I'm, a break, right? I'm, I'm in the family. Yeah. So it's like I'm in the family. I should have certain rights just like them, but I'm a female. So I get you on a female standpoint of being interrupted. So I was like, damn, like since you said that, now nah, I peeped that. But I gotta I gotta rewatch it again so that way I can see it line up the way I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah, man. So the captain tried to kill William to take his seat, and that's why he had said that, yeah, I'm the I'm the basically the boss of this whole social club now. And the captain thinks he succeeded, and he thinks he just dumped uh, William in the river or whatever, and it's the done. But Christina says she helped William, quote, unquote, survive. So William is probably still dead, but obviously Christina is William, so she changes and metamorphosizes or whatever, whatever word that is into William from time to time to get places where she couldn't get as a woman. I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> All right, bro, now we can get on to the, uh, the next scene. This is a... Uh, Letty in the pages. I think it was in the basement. In the pages. Where you put that one at? That was under protection symbol. Protection, protection. I literally just passed that. Damn protection. Oh, I see it. Protection of letters. Oh yeah, this one. She was Letty was basically describing the pages to Tick, saying that these pages attract evil, and Tick says it's not inherently inherently evil. It's what we do with it that matters. So although these messages from the pages are depicting like evil things that go on ticks like no if we learn how to master this and can like really use it to our own benefit it's not really evil if you think about it which i i feel like it's true to a certain extent like because what's a good example um i can't think of no example right off the bat but you could take something that's purely meant for evil and you could use it to the benefit of good so I agree with Tick with that, but Letty wasn't trying to hear that shit. She was like, no, like... And I understood her point, because ever since those pages and the Bright Whites came around, it ain't been nothing but bad shit that's been going on since then. But on the same hand, they, they haven't been understanding any of it. I feel like that's also why. Like, I feel like once you get a full understanding of what's going on, you'll be able to fully use it to your benefit. And that's what Tick's trying to express. We don't... We still don't know. We have to learn how to read this stuff. We have to learn how to practice the spells and stuff like that so that way we can use it to our advantage but we don't know how much evil is going to be how i don't open up yeah we don't know how much evil is going to open up to get the full extent of those pages because more evil can be coming down the line like letty could probably i mean this is like foreshadowing this is what i was thinking in my mind when she had said it i was like damn maybe to get the the full pages in the full book of names somebody has to die maybe somebody like a letty has to die because he wants to get the full extent of the pages. And we see we see how much evil it attracts with Montrose killing Yahima and with uh Tick beating Montrose ass over the pages. We see how much what's how much is going on because of that. So maybe to get the full extent of the pages, something like that would have to happen. If all this evil is opening up, you feel what I'm saying? So that's what I was looking at. But she yeah, obviously she was like, uh, or Tick was like, yeah, we gotta do what it uh yeah, get I think she was that. talking about her Christianity too at that point of like this this just isn't like it just didn't match up with her mind frame of you know Yeah, 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 yeah. And she and she like dove and, and that's the point I want to dive into too when we get to that scene. That's when she was talking about it in the tub. I yeah. want to dive into that too. But yeah, they basically want to get the book and names to protect their own. Because uh, she didn't really she didn't fully understand her own belief in Christianity anymore. But the Christianity she was taught, she know damn well didn't line up with any of that. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's what was making her be like, no, I already, I already got my shakiness with the belief of Christianity anyway. But it's like the parts that I do believe this does not line up with that 
at all. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn, she got a point with that. Yeah. All right. So this is the point. This is the part when uh, I think Tamara takes the people to the to the south side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not Betty. Ruby Ruby ends up basically blackmailing uh, Tamara to, Tamara to take her over to the south side because she was snapping off for some reason about some shoes or some shit, and she was causing a scene. And that's when she had said something about you got to be twice as good or you got to be just as good as these white folks to make it in this world or some shit. So she was like causing a scene. Everybody was looking at it. And she was like, so, yeah, we were just talking about taking everybody to the south side or whatever. So yeah. Tamara, so Tamara take everybody to the south side. It's like four girls, Ruby included, three of the co-workers and the manager comes along as well. So it looks like they was having a chill time and Ruby ends up sneaking to the back because she's like, she feel awkward. She don't like being in this space being white and it just felt real awkward for her so she yeah. changed back she's changes back into black ruby in the back and obviously she's going through it her skin coming off she's uh changing metamorphosizing i feel like it's a word for that but still Me- yeah metamorphosizing or whatever i think and that's she- the word is that the word i'm not is that a word i keep saying it now. i keep trying to make it a word but metamorphosize ing <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're going with that. We're going with that. Yeah, we're, yeah. She keeps going with that. So she's metamorphosizing, bro, out of her white body, turning back black. And it's funny, bro. Like, like you said, the CGI is so great, but like the sliminess of having like changing it. Oh hey, my, my skin crawl. I was yeah. like, yeah. They couldn't find no like more eye appealing way to like make that happen. Like it couldn't just be like if the skin breaks off like glass. Like I'd be so. Like a vase. Like imagine just the skin breaking off like a vase. I'd rather watch that then. That like, shit disgusting. It's ripping off. Like it's like you're ripping out of flesh. I was like, yeah. that's disgusting. Was and she was a walking around. She was walking around like that. That was blowing me. Yeah, she that was probably nasty ass skin. I'm like, damn. You, you cool naked covered in blood and other people's skin. I was like, yeah. I was walking around <laughs> like this. Like <laughs> that shit, that shit was definitely blowing me, bro. But when she was metamorphosizing, she looks through like the fence. So it's like a hole in a fence. And she sees as Tamara is getting harassed. It looked like she was about to get raped by the manager. The manager was like, oh, I heard you black women taste so good down there. And I just want to smell it and all that nasty shit he was saying while trying to rape her. What is that? You want to walk. Basically, bro. Want some <laughs> black walk, bro. And it's funny because you remember earlier in the episode, uh, back to that break room scene. When she, um. Ruby, the white version of Ruby had asked everybody, she was like, has um, the manager ever tried to get fresh with any of you guys? Fresh meaning, has he ever tried to get with any yeah. of you guys? And they were like, no, he's married with like two kids. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so they're trying to, so, yeah. and it showed you how naive white women can really be in moments. Like, they really don't know what the hell is really going on outside of their bubble, bro. And, and it really opened my eyes to that. Because, yeah, like you said, like, he got two kids. No, he's never, he would never do anything like that to us, no. But we get to that scene and he trying to get with the black girl and it's just like, wow, like, man, you you are a piece of shit like I thought this whole time, bro. Yeah. Crazy. Well, part of me was thinking, I was like, I know obviously he didn't know Ruby was black in a white body, mm-hmm. but I kind of got the sense that he felt a different presence with Ruby. I feel like he felt like he could feel she had she had sauce. Like I feel like he felt that. I feel like he felt her black sauce coming through her white. What body. Give you that impression though? 
I don't know. Like, it's just the fact that all the rest of them were like, no, he's never tried that with us. But Ruby felt like she was the only one being tried like that. But she felt like that because she was black. And she knows that usually the white, the white yeah. managers give off that type of feel. They want, they want something for you to get to this place. Like, we always hear that uh, black girls have to sleep their way to the top. And it's like the same thing. And she had that same mentality in this situation. She was like, I probably got to sleep. If she was black, she probably had to sleep with him to get a job there or some shit like that. And that's why she asked the question. So her black mindset really just came out when she asked that. But the white girls were just like naive in a sense. And, and I want to go back to the point of when Ruby was getting on Tamara in front of everybody in the store. Part of her was doing that because she was still kind of upset that she got that job in an unqualified way. But part of her was doing that to actually teach her, like, look, yeah. yes, I'm yelling at you. Yes, I'm treating you harshly. But you got to understand, like, these white people right now, they only got you here because they they technically need you mm-hmm. at the moment, but just for corporate reasons. It's not because they need you as you work good. No, they just need you to fill a quota. So you have to do the best to always know what to do before they know what to do. You got to understand problems. You have to understand how to get a situation sit, a solution for a problem before they do like you got to be 10 steps ahead with everything you do as opposed to them otherwise you're always going to be belittled and looked down upon in workplaces like these so i like the fact that she did that even though she did it in a fucked up way and i don't even even think tamara really fully understood it because it was coming from a white lady i don't think she fully understood it if it was coming yeah if it was from from black to black i think she would have understood it but since it was coming from white women she was like confused she was like yeah why are you telling me this type shit and it was funny because she was really like like the guinea pig or like the uh, the dog of the store. Like she was have, doing everybody jobs. Like three of the workers was in like the break room just chilling while mm-hmm. Tamara was all over the place picking up slack for all the other workers and shit like that. It's like she was getting ran around and everybody in the white girl just chilling and shit like that. So she was getting taken advantage of. And I feel yeah. like they that's why they purposely picked somebody like her. They picked mm-hmm. somebody who didn't have an education, yep. who, didn't, who didn't have room to talk or complain and stuff like If they hired somebody like Ruby, who actually knew how to do that job and, like, didn't take no slack and wasn't about being, like, used and stuff like that, oh, Ruby would have been fired the first day because yep. you're not going to talk back to any of your white employees or especially your white manager. That's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. they picked a black person that they know they're not qualified. They're not going to talk back because they know they're not qualified and they're going to do whatever we say, even if we lead them on the floor by themselves to handle everything. Yeah. Crazy, bro. All right. And now we get to the uh, the drag queen scene. We already we already talked about it before. The drag queen scene, they in the club. Uh, the, the bar owner is the drag queen. And he's look like he's like in a drag queen club. It's like uh, multiple of them. And they were all dancing for like some type of I don't know if it was yeah. a strip club, if it was a pageant. I don't know what really was going on at I think the time. It was just like a, a club. A I don't club. think it was a strip club. I think it was just like a regular type club. Yeah, it was just like a regular club. That's what I was thinking too. And it's like a regular club. And Montrose is really like standing around. He don't, he really don't want to show himself. He really don't want to get out there. And the bar owner, as the drag queen, she was getting loose out there. She was getting loose. She was like being happy with who she was. And she was happy yeah. with who she was. And Montrose was just looking around. And then she ended up going to Montrose to uh, help him up. Uh, have him dance or whatever so she dancing with montrose and he's starting to open up you could tell he was starting to open up it's like he started to dance or whatever he's starting to and then he was starting to dancing with like a, a straight woman and then they lifted him up they lift and it was like a group of women they lifted him up it was spinning them around and it was glitter it was glitter coming down on his face and it was really like a tail like yeah he's starting a lot to of glitter. there's a lot of glitter <laughs> 
There's a whole lot of glitter that I was not expecting. You can't you can't just have glitter scenes like that without without people <laughs> to that. You can't just randomly put all that glitter on screen. Yeah, man. So the glitter come down and it really just shows you, like I said before, man, just him shedding and him starting to embrace his sexuality. And then he ends up kissing the bar owner as the drag uh, the drag queen uh, in front of everybody. So he's letting everybody know, hey, I'm gay. I'm happy. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm accepting it. And I feel like that was like a lot of his reasons why he was so alone. And you heard the song in the background. It was saying something about being lonely or something like that. So he's been feeling alone for all this time. But the bar owner was somebody he always went to when he needed somebody, whether it was the fuck, whether it was somebody to talk to, it was always the bar owner. But now yeah. since he's starting to embrace it, he's starting to break out of his de the depression, I feel like. And he's starting to, uh, he's going to actually get into a relationship with the bar owner. I need him to talk next episode. That's what I need. I need to talk. You can't, you can't do everything that you just did and not talk. Like, come on, Montrose. Damn. But I think, I think that's what made the episode even better. Like, he didn't even have to talk. You just seen it for yourself. You seen the transformation for yourself. Because you seen yeah. in one scene, he just was using, she was just basically using the dude just to fuck. And then another scene, like, you kissing her in front of everybody. It's like, damn, that's a quick transition, but we see how far you came. So I feel like having no words made it even a better, made it the transformation even better. Like, you don't even have to talk. Like, we see it on screen you feel what i'm saying so i liked it even better with him uh without talking she he probably couldn't talk after that ass beating with tick and shit. that's what i'm saying i was like are you, are you not are you not talking because your son finally whipped your ass or are you not talking because you just you just real gay right now you don't know how to talk like <laughs> i think it was a, a it was a mixture of both yeah but the next thing uh ruby is waiting this was after the uh scene of when she caught tamara and the manager She's mm -hmm. at the house now. She's at the house now waiting for William. And she notices Christina comes up from the basement. I, wasn't it like, was it stairs or an elevator or something like that? It was stairs. It was stairs. But that's the only door in the house that has a lock and key to it. Every other door is unlocked, open 99% of the time. So she's waiting for William to come home. And she notices Christina. And she's like, you're not William. Like, where is he? Like, I never see either of you at the same time. And it's like, you, like, you always lock, you all always lock that door. Like, why is the basement always locked? What's keeping everybody from going to the basement? And I think this is the part where you said Christina gave, like, another tale or something like that. This is when, this was the un, uninterrupted, uninterrupted tale that uh, she yeah. had, was talking to Ruby. She was like, she was like, uh, you all, you did say you wanted to be uninterrupted, right? And Ruby was like, did he tell you? Did William tell you that or whatever like that? And she was, and it was just like, oh, like she's William, and that's how she knew. Like William didn't tell her anything. Like she was inside of William the whole time. But yeah. the point about that I want to dive into with that scene in of the basement is, I think William's body is down there. I said that too. I feel you know, like also, I feel like people who are dying, their bodies are going in that basement, and their blood being used for the potions. Exactly. Exactly, bro. Exactly. And that's how she uh got the white girl potion. That's how she became Dale. So I think Dale is down there too dead. Uh so yeah, so Dale Dale and William are the two people I know are definitely in that basement though. But I think they're using it for that that exact reason. And I feel like there was um foreshadowing to that because remember the stone tower that Dale was guarding with the guard dogs? Yeah. And Uncle George's ass. Uh they just assumed that they were keeping black people in there. They were mm -hmm. like, What else would you have a a tall stone building in the middle of a town for like other than keeping black people in there for prison yeah and she was like no we keep this for slaughtered animals and stuff like that but didn't really go into the fact that these slaughtered animals were 
of what's the word I just said? It was a um foreshadowing to now of the basement of that house being for slaughtered animals or people in this instance slaughtered people mm -hmm. whose blood they continue to use ah yes 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 i get it i get it i get it i get it so, so, you, so do you think it's like do you think it's like a pathway to the stone building just like how we were going through the tunnel in the last episode and there was an elevator to get to letty's house and it was like, no, it was like you don't no, think it's a pathway no, to the stone building no, the only pathway that was made from that stone building was when Montrose had that path to go up through the ground outside. I feel like that was the only pathway. I feel like it still could be a pathway, bro. This magic. I don't know what the hell going on with magic, bro. But it's, it's Montrose. So Montrose probably wouldn't know about a magical pathway anyway. So even if it was, he wouldn't know about it. So yeah. maybe Christina knows about it and she knows something is down there. So she's using the stone building as a pathway, keeping everybody down in that stone building. And she goes up to the actual wind or wherever she's staying at. She goes up to her house just like the same thing. Because like you said before, you said it uh, in the last episode review, like time and space isn't the same when it comes to, when it comes to those tunnels and people's yeah. houses. It's not the same. Like the tunnel in the museum was in, uh, was in Boston, but they live yeah. in Chicago, but they were connected somehow. So we like, what the hell going on? So yeah. maybe the stone building that was in Artem is connected to wherever she's staying right now. Just off the magic. Yeah, that might be. They plus they didn't really show the entire like they did inside bottom portion of the of the tower of the stone tower. So it could be based off of what we've seen. I don't think it is, but who knows? We didn't get to see the whole thing anyway. So yeah, and then and then also in this scene, this is when she just talks about t talks to Letty about you have you can do whatever you want. When William told you you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can also be white, but you 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 can use your whiteness. To get, like I said before, get revenge or do whatever you want with it because you're white. You can, you're probably gonna get away with it anyways. And it's for the fact that you're using magic. Like when you have the power of magic, you can do. She literally told it to her face, "You could do whatever the fuck you want to do." Like that's the free power. That's bigger than white privilege. Like mm -hmm. it's like it's the next thing above that. When you have magic, you can do whatever the hell you want with yeah. no consequences. And I was like, damn. Like and then she gave her the option again. You can either continue to use this or you can you can leave. You can do whatever you want to do. Like you have, that's the freedom that you have with magic. The same way you got this freedom with white privilege when you are, when you are actually white, that's the same privilege you got with magic. Yeah. And that's why I think Ruby is going to be so, uh, not cool, but she's going to be accepting of Christina being William. So that's why she's still going to be messing with Christina moving forward. And that's why I still think uh, Christina is going to use her to get inside Letty's house and things like that. Because she's already done it herself. She sees how it is. And she understands uh, about the story she told about William getting killed. So now she's probably feeling some type of empathy for her, for turning into William and things like that. So I can still see it. But this is why I keep saying, I don't think Christina is all the way bad. I don't think she's a full she's blown shown op. multiple times she's a villain. <laughs> I don't think she's a full. No, I know she's a villain, but you think she's a hundred percent. I think mm. she's 50, 50 or 60, 40. I feel like she's teeter tottering. She's How one of those. She's an, she's an antagonist, but I don't think she's a villain. I think that's what it is. How much do you want to bet after she gets what she's want? She's going to kill Ruby. I already, I already got to see you $5 anyway for this Jamal Murray situation. So I bet another 5 It's funny, bro. I don't even want that 5 because they lost the series. So it's just like, <laughs> you, can, you can keep that shit. <laughs> you can keep that shit. $5. So we can put yeah. that $5 on this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But look, I think she's going to use Ruby until she can't use it no more. She's going to probably kill her because she knows too much about the magic. So I don't she gonna, think she's going to kill her. I think 
I think she I think so just like she killed her father, bro. You don't think she gonna kill Ruby? <laughs> she killed her father because I feel like Christina wants to be the top dog in that situation of ruling that type of lodge and stuff like that. I feel mm-hmm. like that's why she got rid of her father and all that stuff. I don't feel like she'll get rid of Ruby or Tick or anything. She, she definitely not getting rid of Tick, but I don't feel oh, like she'll get rid of. Get I don't rid feel of like she'll get rid of Ruby because she's made somewhat of a connection with Ruby. Maybe, but I, I, but the point I was trying to say with her father is you can't rule anything out. If you killing your father, you can kill any damn body. It don't matter who, who it is. I don't know. It depends, bro. It's a lot of it's a lot of variables that go within all of these. I don't know, and it's and it's and it's a villain at the same time. You can get you can have a connection with the villain and still kill somebody you have a connection with. It's just like you're an antagonist. Like we've seen it before. That's what I said. Like I, I see antagonist, but I don't see pure villain yet. Because you can be an antagonist and not really be the villain. Nah, she's the villain. <laughs> she's she's the villain most of. But I feel like, and we're gonna dive into it with these next couple scenes. Gia could be some sort of antagonist, villain, whatever you want to call it, moving forward as well. We see in episode six, the episode is going to be surrounding her. I feel like she could be knowing a lot of shit that's going on right now moving yeah. forward. I feel like she could be some type of villain or antagonist moving forward. I was, I was really ready to see her because I'm like, who is this Korean lady that keep calling this man? <laughs> like, who is this person? I was like, we're not going to just keep ignoring this. This yeah. man to get a phone call. And then the rest of the episode, we don't know nothing about the phone call that just happened. I was like, No, nah, he be calling her. She be well, whoever be calling, whoever yeah. call who. We can't just ignore this intense phone call, like this 30-second <laughs> intense phone call. And for the rest of the episode, nothing relates back to the phone call. We yeah. finally finna get the backstory on her, on why she's able to read the pages, understand the pages, and all that. I'm 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 glad we finally gonna get that. And it's funny because, and I think it was the, I don't want to, I don't want to dive too far ahead. I think it's in a couple scenes anyway. Let me get this scene out of the way. We get Ruby Fools, the manager. Uh, she comes in as her white version. And she basically say, I'm quitting because I want to fuck you. I'm attracted to you and shit like that. So the manager, he all for it. If you want to, if you want to fuck, I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though the white girl said he didn't want to get quote unquote fresh, but he cool with it. He down. He tried to get freaky. So they getting freaky. He's sucking us. This the hustletto hill or whatever. And she's starting yeah. to turn. I about to say you gotta you gotta say everything that happened before he started sucking the heel. What you what? I kind of forgot what happened before that. She literally got him to the point of where he couldn't move his body. Ah, she yes, yes, yes. Took yes, his yes. bed off. Like she was trying to be on some real crazy foreplay type shit. She took his mm. bed off, put it around his neck, mm. like a, a dog on a leash type shit. Mm. Tied his hands together. Pulled his pants down so that way he couldn't move his legs, your arms tied, and you got a belt around your neck. Made him get on his knees, and then he had to start sucking on a heel and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, then, like, obviously, like you just said, she, he all tied up, so he really can't do anything. So she's starting to turn while doing this. Like, our eyes are starting to turn brown or whatever. So she was like, cause so dude was starting to look like, what's going on with you? And he's still rocking with it. Even though he see her starting to change, she's like, Shit, I'm still down if you down or whatever. <laughs> so he, she got him uh, by the belt around his neck. She got him with the belt, and she, like, lay him on, like, the ground. So she take off her heel and start stuffing this damn heel in his ass, bro. Stuff that shit in there multiple times. Blood is gushing out of this nigga ass. Blood I is was, all over. I was like, bro. And like I, I said. I never look at red bottoms the same, ever. That again. was crazy, bro. That was crazy. She stuffing the nigga heel with that. She get her revenge for Tamara and for 
because you remember she was they were talking about that they were going to talk about that she was like i wanted to, i wanted to talk to you about tamara too like i feel like she should get fired or something she was about to yeah. say to her but they like they really like skipped over that when uh she said she was going uh quit so yeah we get to that part bro she stuffed his hand with the uh butt with the heel and that shit was crazy bro and she put the heel back on that's the funniest shit she put the heel back Red on yeah <laughs> and like i said she's turning this whole time so he's looking at her turn while getting his his ass is bleeding like bro the most traumatizing shit somebody could ever go through <laughs> crazy the skin is dropping on him. bro you want to know how freaked out i, I would have been in that situation dog? i would probably passed out <laughs> bro, for real for real dog this nigga here i thought i was in hell i would have thought man That'd have been the day I thought I, I was dead. I was dead at that point. <laughs> and she had told him, she was like, I wanted you to know that a black woman or a nigger bitch did this to you. Because that's and what he had said to Tamara. That was because he said that to Tamara. Like mm -hmm. when Tamara wasn't down and ran away when he was trying to rape her, he called her that when she ran off. Got her revenge. She was like, I want you. He, she, made, she made sure he turned around and looked her in the eyes like, I want you to know. A nigger bitch did this to you. A nigger bitch. Anytime you look at one of us, I want you to know. <laughs> Man. I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's never going to look at black women. So. At all, bro. <laughs> he going to scrap. That could be a good thing and a bad thing because, like, now he might treat – he might never hire a black woman ever again. That's what I was that, saying. I was going to say that. He might make sure to disrespect black women for all times after that or – the good side could come, and he might be afraid of black women whenever he see them. So it, it's a toss up in the air. I don't know. I think I, I think he's not gonna hire them, and he's gonna be afraid <laughs> from now on. Those are the two, bro. He gonna scrap that whole policy, bro. He gonna be like, I don't care, bro. I see what y'all capable of. I don't know. I don't want no parts. I don't want no parts of it. I don't want no parts. All right, bro. Now we get to the next scene. Uh, I think this is when. This is Letty. When Tick tells Letty about Yahima. Yeah, Tick tells Letty about Yahima and that Montrose actually killed her and she wasn't, she didn't run off or anything like that. Uh, no, this was oh, the, the tub scene. Yeah, this was the tub scene. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So this is when Tick, damn, this happened all the way around that time? I thought this, this happened second, early. This was like the so. second to last scene. Damn, yeah. didn't even peep that. Yeah. But, um, so Letty's in the bathtub, she's bathing, Tick comes in, apologizes, blah, 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 uh, goes into the fact of he still holds on to Jaya in some sense, because it's like that was the only time that, like prior to Letty, that was the only time he ever really felt like love in a strong way like that. And that's why when Letty tried to come on to him and express that to him at first, that's why he was kind of like, nah, I don't really, I don't think I want this because I know what that feels like, and I had to leave that and everything. So mm -hmm. Letty goes into her um, dialogue about her family and Christianity, how she didn't know what it was like to fully be Christian in certain points, and her love life with family or people in general going yeah. place to place throughout life and all that stuff. And I feel like they finally had that connection of, look, we both have had fucked up past when it comes to this topic but I feel like we're still the perfect match for each other. And Tick's telling her, look, I feel like this is something that I don't want to be afraid of. I want to actually take this head on. Mm -hmm. And they, they make up and they, they decide to say, fuck it, we're going to do this. We're going to be a couple. Yeah. 
because the point was, um, Letty, she was like, um, her mom and Ruby fall in love so easy, and she was never like that. She never hopped from love to love like that. But now she's starting to actually feel this way with, uh, with Tick. But I wanted to talk about the church point with Letty. This doesn't even have anything to do with the show, but just the church point in general. When she was talking about um, getting dragged to church by her parents or by her mom or whatever, and she was like, I really don't know what Christianity is. Like, I look in the book and I don't know what it is. And this is something I, I've always talked about it before. Like, just going to Southside, if you don't know, that's like a Christian school, and obviously getting dragged to church as well, that can, that can do the same thing that it did to Letty to a lot of other people in general. Like, it can pull you away from the religion and from that belief because it's so, it's for, it's so forced on you. It's and a me lot as, of... Um... It's a lot of people we went to school with us outside. Like now, like it's a lot of people I know off top, probably not off the top of my head, but I can see them if I look at them. They don't fully understand Christianity no yeah. more. For some of them, they don't even like to identify as being Christian. Like they're spiritual, but they yeah. don't really know if they with the religion. Yeah. Even though we all went to school together, we all were kind of like force fed that religion. So I, I agree with you on that. And that's the point. And me and Zion, because I'm that same way. Because I had to I had to talk to my mom, man. It's like, man, I felt I walked in a church, man. And it was just like, am I here just for show, just because I'm getting dragged here? Or am I here just to, or am I here to actually learn? Or am I here to actually dive into my beliefs? I had to step away from the church. You know what I'm saying? Because I was force-fed it since, bro, I was force-fed from kindergarten to fifth grade, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I knew nothing else. So when you live your life and you see everything that goes on in your life, you're just like, damn, do I really believe this? You feel what I'm saying? So I understood yeah. where Letty was coming from. Because me and Zion have this conversation all the time. It's like, man, when it's force-fed on you, you can't believe it for yourself. Mm -hmm. and, it's the, and that's the same thing she was going through in the show. And the same thing, really, I was going through. And that's why it hit me so hard. So hard. I, thought, I thought about that. I was yeah. like, damn, like, Black people in general, a lot of us are dragged to church in our yeah. youth. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like different generations absorb that differently than others because nowadays we have access to so much information as opposed to our parents and grandparents back then who didn't. So now that's why it's so easy for our generation to be more optimistic with what we want to believe or don't want to believe because it's like we see it on our phones, we see it on our laptops, we see it in front of us on TV with everything. Back then, you might have seen different insights on TV, but that was about it. Other than that, you knew what you grew up in. The the community or the neighborhood you grew up in, all of y'all nine times out of 10 believed in the same thing. And that's what you grew up with until you were an adult. And by the time you were a full-fledged adult, your process, the way you thought, wasn't gonna change by yeah. that point. But it's like, like you said, our generation, by the time we got to high school and older, it's like we were devouring so much different information at that time. We weren't being force-fed Christianity anymore because we were going to public schools. Mm -hmm. And religion wasn't, like, mandatory in public schools. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's, that's a huge difference, too, because my dad and them, like, my grandma, they would drag all, all the kids had to go to church. You went to church, like, damn near every day back mm -hmm. in the day. In the oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Sunday was just automatic but every other day you you had to make sure you did church type stuff whether yeah. it was studying at church going to church to update yourself on news in the community stuff like that church was a part of your everyday life so that's why it's so easy for my dad and past generations to preach church like that yep. and blah 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 but it's like us it's like we we hear different religions and different mindsets every day all the time 24 7 
and it's relatable like it's relatable it makes sense too it's Mm -hmm. not like it's just it's not like hard-headed stuff or devilish stuff like no some people's different religions they make sense to the point where it's like damn is my religion the only way or is it other ways i personally like i've grown up with christianity just being in my house being outside of my house and all that so that's the way i think that's the way i believe that's the way i process stuff Am I just a full-fledged Bible across my heart all the time, Christian? No, because I understand reality, and I know everything isn't perfect like that with Christianity. Yeah. But I am willing to listen to other people. I am willing to, like, take bits and pieces of different cultures and religions and stuff like that, even though I believe in mine at the end of the day. Yeah. But I feel like that's why older people have such a hard time admitting that. Exactly, bro. And that's why a lot of people in this generation don't even go to church, or a lot you hear and you hear it a lot from the older people. It's like, man, you don't see the younger people in church like like they supposed to be in church or this, that, the third. It's just like, man, we've been dragged here since our younger years, man. And we we starting to see everything for ourselves. Like, man, we know everything isn't in the church. And we're starting to understand that the body is the temple at the end of the day. You feel what I'm saying? You always with God. God is always available. You feel what I'm saying? It just doesn't have to always be in the church. The church is the home, don't get me wrong, but God yeah. is always available no matter where you go. I, I feel like that's important to emphasize, too. It's like, I go to church every now and then. Do I go all the time like I did when I permanently was staying here in St. Pete? No. Mm-hmm. Like, but whenever I do get the opportunity to go, if I feel like I want to go, I do. But that, like, people now, like older people, like you said, you don't go to church, like, every Sunday, like, you can do this every time when this come up, but you can't go to church every Sunday. It's like, I don't feel like I'm less of a Christian because I don't go to church every Sunday. Like, if that's the case, half of us ain't going to heaven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at least half of us ain't going. Like, at least I know I ain't going to be by myself if I go to yeah. say that. I exactly. know I ain't going to be by myself. <laughs> exactly. And, and, that, and that point when she said that, it really just hit home to me, man, because I don't know if Black people should just let their kids just find out on their own what they want to believe in or should they always just be force fed because I've had this conversation with white people as well like how how would you raise your kids with the religion and he was like I would I would force feed it to him and I, I respected it I was like if you want your kids to go down that road I respect it but I think I will grow up just having like an open environment when it comes to religion and just have you pick what you want to go down yeah in your early ages you can I can you can follow me to church but in your later years like you said high school late middle school it's like hey you got to believe what you're going to believe because, man, you're going to live in this world on your own, buddy. I'm going to say, because around that age, you're going through puberty. Like, you're going exactly. through puberty. you figuring out who you are as a person. You're still, you're young, but you're growing at a rapid rate at that point. Your mind is becoming more free thinking. You're at that age, you're a teenager. You starting to rebel against your parents, whether it's intentional or unintentional. You're getting the idea of, I don't have to think the way you think just because you're my mama or just because you're my daddy. Like, we all went through that stage, whether we tried to or not. We all got to the point where it's like, I have my own opinion. I have my own mind. So I feel like I agree. It's like, it's to the point where at a certain age, you got to make it okay for your kids to start thinking differently. Now, if it's to the point where it's just completely radical, then that's when you should have a sit down with them. Like, are you sure you want to think this way? But if they come at you with a different opinion, like don't don't just completely throw it away. Like their opinion or their thought process doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, bro. So that was one thing I just wanted to harp on because, like I said, it was a subtle line, bro. It was just something that just yeah. really caught me, bro. It really it was really relatable. All right, man. Now we get to the next scene. This is when um, this is when Christina I think comes from the 
the, the front door. William comes through the front door. William comes through the front door. And she's like, where you been all this time? She was like, what's, uh, what you and your lady friend got in that basement or whatever she had said. Uh, and like, she was like, and then like William was like starting to like fall down. He was like wobbly or whatever. And he yeah. fell to the ground and you could see he was metamorphosizing. He was changing. And then and Ruby was like, what the hell is going on in exactly. here? She's like, what the fuck going on? So she look at him and then uh, we eventually find out that Christina was William this whole time. And that shit really blew my mind because I would have not, I would, because I could have sworn I seen them in the same room together. Did you feel that way too? Yeah. I, bro, I was telling my mama because I, I just watched the second first, episode. Oh, what at that? first I was like, now that I think about it, I've never seen them in the same room. And I Desire the was like, no, they've definitely been in the same room before. I'm looking like, when? Like, when, when was this? Because I really don't remember seeing them at the same time. But they weren't, though. I realized they weren't. I actually went and watched episode one and two again because that's when they were uh, in the same room, I think, a lot. Or episode two and three because that's, that's when they were in, like, the estate. So I yeah. was like, damn, maybe they, uh, maybe they were together. But no. It was like you seen William and then another scene you seen Christina. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. But no, hold on. Because didn't, didn't William walk him into the room where, where Samuel was getting his pancreas taken out? And Christina was sitting right there. You remember that scene? Did William walk him in there? Did William walk him in there? Whoa. Yeah, I got to rewatch episode two. I have to. Because I'm just thinking I about the scene. episode. I didn't even peep that. I don't think William was in the actual room, but I thought he walked him there. I thought he walked him in there. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, I got to rewatch that part. I have God to. Damn. <laughs> This show know what it's doing. It's making you have to rewatch episodes. Like, and I love I love shows that do that. They make you rewatch stuff. Like, you're not gonna get all this the first time. Oh, and yeah. I feel like Jordan, that's the thing with Jordan Peele. Like, get out is probably the only movie that we'll ever get from him where you can watch it one time and understand everything. Mm-hmm. Like, even get out hell, maybe oh, one. You, or you two had to watch parts. it again. Some yeah. I had to watch it again to get everything. But for the majority, I understood the whole movie, like, off of the first bat. I just watched it again just out of the thrill of watching it again. But mm-hmm. um, but us, oh, I had to watch that at least three to four times. Oh, to, like, yeah. To understand everything. Like, and even now, like, it's still Easter eggs that I just really do <laughs> finally grasp now. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this man, he makes you rewatch stuff over and over. Candyman. When Candyman come out, I bet money is gonna be a way he makes people rewatch that. It's not just gonna be a regular horror movie. It's funny. So yeah. So um, and the one thing I wanted to uh, get out about that scene too was just like Christina found out what it was to be a man, and she wanted to be in the order. So Christina found out how it was to be a man, and Ruby found out what it was to be a white woman. So they all, like you said about being uninterrupted, they all got to see the other side of the interrupted they all got to yep. see the, the other level of it so that, that was real cool uh to see about that one so now we get to the next and this is the last part of the uh, episode uh so the last scene tick is going over the uh what's the word um uh the decoding he's trying to decode the messages of the pictures that letty took from the words uh from the symbols and hieroglyphics and stuff like that and he was saying that some of these are like Asian type hieroglyphics. That that's the reason he's able to decipher some of the codes. Cause she's like, How are you able to read this stuff? And he was like, Well, based off of the studies and the 
matchups that I've done with my research, some of these are like ancient Chinese or Korean or whatever hieroglyphics that match up to certain words or certain letters. And that's how I'm able to spell out certain stuff. And I forgot the first word that he showed Letty. That he suffer. Spelled. I think it was suffer. Suffer or something like that. But he was able to give her certain words and certain messages. Oh, because he was talking about the ring because he's seen it on yeah. the ring. He was like, these are my initials. Yeah. Was like ASF. So I'm guessing that's what these mean or whatever. Right. He was showing her other words. He was like, I think this means protection or some shit like that. Because it was like the protection symbol. And that was the same symbol that was on the wooden thing that Christina put in the doctor's office. Right. And I also, I didn't say this. I also think that protection is going to be for the dude that's in the closet. I don't mm -hmm. think that's protection over the captain. I think that's for the dude in the closet. So he can be protected. So he doesn't give up any secrets. Because they, I think they said he had something to do with some loot or some shit. Uh, stolen loot. Yeah, so they, they went over that in episode three when Christina went in there. Yeah, she had stole some loot or whatever. So I think that protection symbol is for him so he doesn't get killed or whatever, so he can keep quiet so the captain doesn't get uh, all the information he needs or whatever. So, yeah, but you can go, you can go on. And once, uh, I think once Letty left out at that moment, he was still going through different decodes, and he seen D-I-E, and he put pieces together like, I remember he was looking like I remember seeing this like decoded in front of me like somebody told me what this meant and automatically he thought about Jaya and he was like what the hell like no there's no way she knows about all of this that's going on because in his head he's like how does bitch know everything that's going on yeah. she didn't tell me nothing like you mean to tell me you know about all this and you ain't saying yeah. that to me and then that's when he went into the room he dialed the extended number called her she picked up and he was basically like how long have you known about this? Like, when did you start, like, knowing this stuff? And she was like, I told you you shouldn't have left. And I think she just hung up. She told him that same shit in episode one or two. She was like, you shouldn't have left. Yep. You shouldn't have left. Yeah, you did the wrong she shit. Bro. And I was like, damn, that's the way we're going to end it. <laughs> I was and like, it's, And it's crazy, bro, because, um, like you said, it was like Chinese hieroglyphics. So yep. I'm like, damn, she Korean. That's probably how she can read it, I'm guessing. That's probably how she can read it. And that's probably how she knows what's going on. I don't know how she got the book of names. And maybe she yeah, got the book of names. Maybe because you see it in the preview, she was reading some book. So mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe that was the book of oh, names. She handed that to her, I think. Tick gave that to her. Was yes. like, can you read this and tell me what it means? Yeah. So I don't know what that was. And maybe that was the book of names. And maybe that's probably how she knows everything is going on. But also going back to the, that DIE symbol, I was looking at an explain video and they were telling us that. That could maybe be the initials of Dora. That probably doesn't mean the word die. It could mean, mean Dora's initials. Just like it had the initials of Tick with ASF, it could yeah. be the same thing with Dora with D-I-E. I, so I felt like it didn't mean die. I was like, okay, it spells D-I-E, but I'm sure it's way deeper than just that. So yeah, yeah. I so thought the same thing. It probably leads to something more. Yeah. Cause I want to know when we're going to actually dive more into Dora. I feel like we, we always mention her, but we never have never really dove in into her yeah. story yet. So maybe after this one, because I know this next episode is going to be about uh, Gia Jaya. and Tick. Oh, yeah, Gia. However you say I like Jaya. I'm going to call it Jaya. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's the name of Tick, bro? So uh, predictions for next episode. What do you think we'll, we'll – what do you predict we will get out of next episode? I predict than, we're going to find out Tick's love story with her and mm -hmm. why he's so shaky with the love topic with Letty. So I see – I definitely see romance between – her antic and i also feel like we're gonna get a glimpse at what was that i thought because i said this to myself early we're gonna get a glimpse at um 
uh, I feel like we'll get a glimpse of Yahima in this next episode. I feel like Yahima, the topic of Yahima is going to get brought back to somehow, some way in this mm. next episode. Because I don't feel like they're just going to kill her off and then she's not brought up ever again. Makes sense. But one thing I wanted to ask, because my mom brought this up the other day. She was like, what happened to um Hippolyta and uh, D? We didn't see them at all this episode. Last we seen of them, they was going to Artem. Whoa. We so maybe we're going to get the next episode or something. Could be dead already. <laughs> they, this, this show real slick, boy. I don't <laughs> even think about that. Hey, they threw, hey, they threw so much shit at you. You forgot about Hippolyta <laughs> and D. <laughs> Yeah, my mom said that yesterday, bro. I was like, damn, that's a good-ass point. They really just threw that shit in there. And that shit crazy, man. But, uh, but yeah, that's the it for the episode, bro. Did you have uh, – what else? You already said like, love. What else? What else? What else? Oh, uh, our rankings. 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 Yep, yep, yep. Honestly, this takes place as my new favorite episode. I had episode really? three at first. Uh, I think I had it three, one, two, four. Now I got it five, three – one, two, four. So I got it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you basically you, you had about the same as mine. It's just our one and three was switched. Yeah, one and three was switched. Yep. So I would have. Ooh, I think I had this. That first episode. I can't. I can't get over the first episode, bro. I swear I cannot. <laughs> I cannot get over that first episode. So I will put this too. Damn, that first episode just caught me off guard, dog. So I would have one, I would have one, five, three, two, and uh, and four. Damn, but yeah, yeah, it, it, no, yeah, the episode one, bro. It just, it's crazy. But yeah. uh, I think that is it, bro. You can hit them with the social media. You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore Podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page, Q and Sign E Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the notification bell and hit the all button so you can see anytime we drop new episodes. Our email, at gmail.com for any business inquiries, questions, concerns, fan mail. We'll hit you up anytime we can. Our, uh, what else? Um, email? Twitters. Quincy's Twitter is Q underscore Hicks 3. Mine is at Edgar Martin 97. Quincy's Instagram is Q Hits Production. Mine is Edgar Martin Official. Yeah, so you can subscribe to us on all of our podcast platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and also iHeartRadio, so definitely subscribe. And also, check me out on uh, YouTube. Type in Quincy Hicks to the search bar. I got the director's label in, inside of my Abbey, so definitely subscribe. Just dropped a video on Tyrell Terry if you're into sports and the NBA draft. Definitely check that out. And we're out. Peace. All right.